I'm sure at this time of year and almost always, uh, we have found ourselves waiting, uh, waiting in the check self-checkout line at you name the store. And now that, you know, it's like 10 or 12 deep, waiting at a traffic signal to change when you're late for wherever you need to be. Just think a minute of all the things that we wait for. Now, if you can put yourself in the shoes of those who were waiting for Messiah to be born, that had some, well, they had waited hundreds of years, not each individual, but they had been waiting quite a long time for this event to happen. Finally, it happens. Now, in your own shoes, on this side of the cross, we're waiting again. And it may be hundreds, hundreds of years. But Jesus is coming back. The stanza of the other hymn we sang, The Love Divine, the last stanza really struck me over these last few weeks. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory till with thee we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. i 
open your Bibles. We're going to be reading two excerpts of Scripture. The first from the Old Testament, uh, from the prophet Jeremiah. We'll be reading verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. And you can sort of put your thumb there, if you wish, and then just one verse, all the way at the end of your Bible, in the book of the Revelation. And there we will read chapter 11, verse 15. Today, we're focusing in our concluding reflection on the great carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, on the invitation, O Come, King of Nations. And here, right on the cusp of a new year, it's worth reflecting now on what kind of king rules. So we'll begin first in the prophet Jeremiah. Hear what the Lord says to you, people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. For the practices of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it does not totter like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. No one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. Who should not fear you, King of the nations? This is your due. Among all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms, 
There is no one like you. And then a vision that concludes the biblical witness to God's work in the world. Anticipation of faith being made sight. We find these words in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And so we hear two contrasting visions. In a sense, the way the world bows before so many gods of their own manufacture and of their own design. John Calvin, this is for you, Mike English, even though I was a little sour about John Calvin before, um, said this, the human heart is a perpetual factory of idols. We can produce them without even trying. We don't always know we're doing it in the moment, but sometimes you catch yourself investing trust and hope and security in things that do not last. You may find yourself doing this in people or in relationships or in your 401k or the amount of insurance you've been able to purchase, all of the rest. Now, some level of security within these things is, is prudent living, right? It becomes a sustainable part of life. But when we overinvest our destiny and overinvest ourselves in these things that do not last, and we start bending our lives and making our choices and determining our ethics around how this particular feature of our life might perform, then we might be on a path away from the path of trust in the God who promises to be with us, never to leave us, never forsake us. And we're investing more trust in something that will not last. And out of it, we have created an idol, a God. And so on one end, we hear Jeremiah calling the people to that special sort of vision that can distinguish between an idol of the world and the one true God. And then we have a vision in Revelation of the one true God revealing the reign of God in flesh and in blood. The kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. You probably know that part. And so that's where on the hinge now of history, 2022 to 2023, I want us to reflect just for a few moments about how the Lordship, the King of Nations, rules over what has been and what is to come. I watched Dick Clark's Rocking Christmas Eve last night. It still bears his name, though he, of course, was nowhere to be found on the screen. And when I turned it on about 20 minutes to midnight, to my shock, I recognized the song that the singers were singing on stage because I sang it in middle school and high school. And there, as Duran Duran of all bands, 
was singing, you know, Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf and all these kinds of things, I was shocked and stunned. They had just finished uh, singing after, or they had just started singing after new edition finished. You want to talk about idols of my generation, Duran Duran and new edition certainly fit that mold. And as I saw them there on the screen, sort of dressed up as, you know, kind of plump, over the hill, people trying to dress really cool. They just, it was hard to, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. Because they had not accepted that 40 years had passed. 40 years had passed since they were on the radio. But these idols were living in a time there that was vivid in my memory and in the past. Don't we live our lives that way so much with that look back that sort of lifts up experiences for better and for worse as being the standard by which we continue to assess our present and especially make determinations about our future. And in that backward look, we refuse to accept the past is past because we still carry them around in our hearts, either because of the sentimental fondness that should be celebrated or the great pain that's gone unhealed. I remember one time in, in a previous church, there were two men in the congregation that were having a conflict, and I had one in this ear and one in this ear telling me their side of the story, and, and it was literally happening in the same space. And so I tried to recede as best as I could. And I had my opinions about this conflict, but I knew better than to speak up about it. And the quieter I was, the, the less they talked to me, and the more they started talking at each other. And one of the men looked at the other one and brought up some stuff from a year ago. And he said, but when you said this a year ago, that really hurt my feelings. And he was still carrying it around, right? And, and the other guy looked at him and, and he said, John, his name was John, that's over. It's done. And I appreciate you not bringing it up anymore. That was a kind of a confrontational way to, to make a point. But I've always thought about that ever since. When we talk about God's forgiveness, even though our hearts and our lives continue to want to lift up what has been in some sort of hope that we can have a better past, God says, it's over. It's done. And I'm here with you now. Jesus told a story about a king. If we're going to reflect on what kind of king this king of kings and king of nations will be he told a story in matthew chapter 18 of a king who was owed a tremendous debt by a servant ten thousand talents or something it was just an exorbitant amount of money and of course the servant had no means and and the inability to pay such a tremendous debt he had acquired it but couldn't pay it and as he carried this debt around uh, the debt was coming due and he begged and he pleaded and the king releases him from all of that he was indebted to in the past just releases him and then this servant being forgiven 
of that debt, makes his way out, and being human, kind of puts his hands around the neck of a guy who owes him a couple of bucks. And it doesn't go well. But Jesus' point is clear. One of the foundational qualities of the king of nations is forgiveness. And as you look back on 2022, there are going to be really, really significant moments of remembering. Special times when something awakened within you or you had a special experience that was just for you, something you never want to relieve yourself of holding on to. And of course, you can carry it with you. It becomes part of that great story of your life. But if you end up turning your whole life to that marvelous experience and don't release it into that place called what has been, how can you look toward the future? In the same way, there are hurts that you carry around that ache so badly you can't ever imagine a change. And in some ways, when you are as numb as you are in grief or in pain, sometimes it feels good just to feel, even if it hurts. And you refuse to believe that it could ever get better. And you focus on that hurt so much you may miss how God is bringing healing in the present or even in the future. And so holding that hurt with open hands so that when it's time for it to slip away or at least find a new place in your life, that's forgiveness too. Forgiving yourself, forgiving others as an expression of the forgiving king. That definition that I sort of spun out for you about forgiveness is one that has stuck with me for a while. It's giving up hope for a better past. And when we give up hope for a better past, we can orient our hope in that direction that it's intended to point, to the future. Jesus tells the story of a relentlessly hopeful king as well. This is in Matthew chapter 22, where the king is preparing a wedding banquet for his son and sends out ambassadors to invite the, the well-established and, and, and the well-to-do of the town, and none of them come. They're too busy. They have other things to do. They don't come to the wedding. And not to be dismayed by this, the king takes the, the servants and gives them a new mission. Go out, and you go wherever you can find people, and you invite them to this party. This party is for everyone. Look behind every hedge. Look down every side street and fill this banquet hall up. Because the king is determined to have a party. That is the definition of hope. There is nothing in the present circumstance that is going to deter the king from filling that banquet hall with those who are ready to celebrate. So looking to 2023 with that sort of relentless hope comes to me as something of a relief and of a release. On the other side of COVID, on the other side of all that we have contended with over the last couple of years, personally, congregationally, I sometimes caught myself fearing failure so badly. that I dare not live in hope. And I want to construct programs 
and devise experiences and come up with some sort of method that in one way or another will guarantee success. Because I've experienced the sting of failure and I've hung on to it a little too long. I've experienced the sting of grief and never dared to believe that there's hope beyond it or through it. I felt the sting of my own personal wounds. And maybe you have too. But what if the king of nations is a king who forgives and is relentlessly hopeful for this world and for you and for Yates Baptist Church? That is our king. Can we not release our grip on control and instead receive that same mandate? Go look. Find those you miss and find those new friends who will celebrate the goodness and the grace of God with us. Come, King of Nations, is a call to the one who determines our destiny, allowing us to release our indebtedness to the past and point our hope in the direction the King's own hope also lies. Ted sang about it so marvelously and beautifully. I hope you couldn't miss all that lies ahead for a people who live in the hope that was established by a God of hope. We're going to be praying now together, looking at our own lives, considering the year to pa- that has passed and the year that is to come. And as Mackenzie leads us, I'll invite you to locate the little leaves that are found there on the pew, by the side of the pew. It's time for us to pray. And it's time for us to pray with our hearts and with our hands. Mackenzie, won't you lead us now?